Master Windle, you have fought gallantly. Worthy of recognition in the archives of the Jedi Order. Now, it is finished. Surrender, and your lives will be spared. We will not be hostages to be bartered, Dooku. Then... I'm sorry, old friend. Hey, wait for me! Anakin, stay where you are. We'll be safe there. But I... Stay in that cockpit. We'll handle this. We'll take the long way. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 431, Top 10 Prequel Moments, Part 2. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Captain Tarples to my Jar Jar Binks, we have Carl LeClaire. No again, Jason. You are going to the bosses. You saw big doo-doo this time. Oh. <laughs> How? <laughs> Oh, Jason, I'm so excited to be wrapping up this incredible two-parter looking at our favorite moments from the prequel trilogy. And as I was compiling even my final part of the list, I was like, man, I wish we had done a top 20 and just did a whole month of this because there's so much prequel stuff I still wish I could have talked about. And uh, knowing you and, and what I'm expecting is I'm hoping some of the things I couldn't put on my list will show up on yours tonight so that I can still say a thing or two about them. <laughs> well, uh, we we will see, um, to quote Padme. Um, <laughs> excuse me, Queen Amidala, as she was very formally, uh, you know, being portrayed in that that scene anyways but yes we'll see i'm sure i'm sure there'll be things on your list that i'm gonna be like oh thank god you you brought that up because it wasn't on my list and vice versa i mean i will say the top five in my list was pretty easy to to solidify and it was the bottom five that was the harder part of the list to to come up with so um yeah that there's definitely going to be some old favorites on this one although there's a new one on here that Definitely wasn't on there the last time we did this episode, and I'm very excited to get to that. I'm excited, too, because I will say my top five is – these have all been things I've talked about before. I'm pretty sure they were in my top five even years ago. Um, I could be wrong, um, but we'll find out. These are some repeats for sure for me, but I'm excited to talk about them again. Yeah, who cares if it's a repeat? I don't. They're still our favorite. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, but before we hop into the, our, our finals from the, the prequel moments here, we had a matchup last week where, of course, we wanted to get your favorite moment from the prequels. 
uh, before we shared our own in this week's episode. So, Jason, what did folks have to say were their favorite moments from the prequel trilogy? Oh, well, well, we had uh, quite a few different responses. And actually, the number one response kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, that being said, here we go. In third place with one vote each, we've got Padme's Rumination, uh, the naming of Vader, Maul at the Gates, uh, which is what, I, you know, his entrance to the Duel of the Fates at the end of Phantom Menace is what I'm calling that. Uh, Anakin searching for his mother. Again, another Duel of the Fates musical moment. Uh, the pod race. Just the Duel of the Fates in general. Um, and then in second place with two votes, we had Order 66, the Genosis Arena battle. Uh, and then in first place with three votes, and like I said, this was the one that surprised me the most here. Uh, it's an interesting one for, uh, I think this is specific to our listeners, Carl. We had Attacking the Invisible Hand at number one with three votes. All right, then. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah, uh, a little bit surprised. Yeah, it's an exciting moment, with it, especially that opening tracking shot of Anakin and Obi-Wan. It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, great space battle. Not my favorite space battle, but a really good one. Uh, so I, I can't deny people that that's a really good one. Not in my top 10, but I'm impressed that uh, that it made it on the list like that. So Me too. Um, yeah, we, we did have somebody say all of them, but it's kind of hard to put all of the prequel <laughs> moments in a poll. So I kind of yeah. left that one off. Yeah, so. that's fair. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's not a moment either. That's That's just not... It's not answering the question. That's so. <laughs> all of that. Um, so you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say, I was, I was excited. I was really happy someone threw the pod race in there because uh, I don't think, unless it's on your top five this week, it, it, I don't think it made either of our lists. Um, and it's, I mean, it's so iconic. It's so so iconic from the prequel trilogy. And actually, Jason, I, I watched Revenge of the Sith um, this evening before we recorded. And I was thinking like, oh, another fun thing we should do in the future is do a top 10 prequel iconic moment. So I, a lot of my personal favorites wouldn't, will probably not be a lot of people's favorites, and I'm fine with that. But it'd be fun to talk about the things right. that we would assume to be, you know, and I think po the pod race would be one of them, right? Like it's not something I think you and I particularly, it's not, it's not the moment that we get super excited about, but it's not to say that we don't enjoy it. And of course, it's super iconic. Um, yeah. And very impactful for, you know, the, where the, the saga goes, you know, the, and the prequels in particular. So, yeah, absolutely. So maybe that'll be something we revisit later on in the year or something. So, um, right. Yeah. Uh, so that said, uh, we have a matchup for you for the end of the episode that is Definitely prequel oriented and uh, I think a pretty fun one at that. And we also have a giveaway announcement for the end of the episode as well. So uh, some exciting news coming for you at the end of the episode. Um, but before we get to those things, we got a fun episode of prequel love to do. Um, so what do you mm -hmm. say we just dive right into it, Jason? Uh, I'm diving in like Jar Jar did to the uh, city of Otagunga. Hey, oh, what a moment. <laughs> well, I think last week I had you start, so how about I give it? A, I give us the start this week. Excellent, sounds good to me. What's your number five, Carl? My number five is "Rumble in the Rain" 
from Attack of the Clones. And it's, of course, that I, the, uh, yes, am I, so I will say I, I, I have done a great job of bookending my list with action moments, but everything in between are emotional moments. But let's start this off with an iconic, you know, action scene of uh, Obi-Wan against Jango Fett in the reign of Topoka City on Kamino. Um, you know, I think th- the thing about this fight that I've always loved is that it was just so cool seeing a Jedi fight hand to hand. You know, Obi-Wan loses his lightsaber pretty early in the fight. And and while it's not a, a prolonged hand to hand combat, it's still hand to hand combat of a Jedi against a very well trained bounty hunter. And just seeing him throw fisticuffs with somebody was so cool to see. Um, and more than that, I've always debated whether I like this moment more than their kind of uh, verbal showdown earlier in the movie, right? When when they first meet one another. And it's still a toss up which one I like more. But this one has just been so fun for so long. And in a lot of ways, the the actual physical fight here is kind of this release of the tension that they, that was experienced when they first meet each other. So they've already sized each other up. They've stared each other down. They both looked at each mm-hmm. other in that moment and thought to themselves, I could take you. And this is that moment where they get to see <laughs> if they can. And in a lot of ways, it's a pretty even fight. Um, you know, I feel like Obi-Wan definitely gets a little bit of the upper hand, But at the same time, he is an experienced Jedi Knight. Um, And I think what I love about this and what it says about Jango is Jango is such a seasoned combat veteran that he can go toe-to-toe with a premier Jedi Knight and really hold his own and almost win the fight. Um, So it, Mm -hmm. it really does a lot to elevate Jango as a force to be reckoned with. Um, And... Yeah, it's just it's such a fun sequence. I love it. No, it's really great, and I'm glad that you put it on here because uh, it's not on my list. It's not even in my top ten. So um, I I love this scene, and I love the this the uh, scene that you know the the ar- uh, not the argument the the conversation between Obi Wan and Django. Um, previous to this as well it's it's they're they're both fantastic scenes and this is where that all culminates um it's it's a really fun sequence and it's unlike any other fight sequence that we've had in star wars to this point you know it's uh it's hand-to-hand combat between a jedi and somebody else The, the lightsaber isn't even involved for most of it um and that's you know this weapon is your life. Try not to lose it. He just said that earlier in the movie, yeah. and there it goes. Yep, you know, <laughs> drop it into the puddle on the platform. Gosh, Obi Wan, you really should take better care of your your lightsaber, shouldn't you? Um, <laughs> what would Anakin say if he saw you yeah. in this situation? <laughs> but it's a great it's a great uh, fight. It's not super long, but it's got a, a great progression as it you know goes through the various stages of it, um, and it's it's always entertaining to watch. Uh, you know, a bounty hunter versus a Jedi is always a, a something I think all Star Wars fans tend to get excited for, and it's nice to see that you know there's enough tricks up Jango's sleeve to make it a pretty even combat. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, but uh, what? where are you taking us for your number five? I'm taking us to the end of uh, The Phantom Menace and The Victory Parade. I freaking <laughs> love this parade. Uh, I... I cannot get enough of it. It's it's so exciting. Uh, the the music is fantastic. I love the visuals, um, and it's just great to to just wrap up on such a a happy positive note in Star Wars. That rarely seems to happen. Um, you know. <laughs> yep. Yes, indeed. But when when we get the chance to do a parade, we do it right. And I, you know, I've. I, I don't know. I don't have much to say about it other than I've always enjoyed it, and the the revelation that it is that the music is the inversion of the Emperor's theme. It only made me love it more. Uh, so I I've always enjoyed it, and I, I, I don't see that going away anytime soon. So <laughs> that's a pretty quick number five, but it is my number five. No, I think it's I think it's great, and you know, um, the first person I ever heard to call out that musical note obviously was David W. Collins. Um, you know mm-hmm. about the Augie's municipal band is is the uh, Emperor's theme, but in a major octave. And you know, the interpretation has always been well because the Emperor ultimately won here. But the way I like to think of it is, is he really didn't. Palpatine didn't plan for this outcome, and I think. The fact that it's his theme in a major chord is he's going to take even this good event and twist it to his own ends, right? Like, you know, if, if, if you put all the puzzle pieces together from what we get essentially in the Clone Wars series where Maul was well aware that there was going to be a Clone War, he was supposed to be an integral part of the Clone War. Mm-hmm. I would say the decade between Phantom Menace and Episode 2 with the start of the Clone Wars was Palpatine trying to... F- figure everything out about how do I start this war now because it didn't go the way I planned initially. So to me, Augie's great municipal band is it is indeed a victory. Our heroes have won and yet the emperor, but the emperor is still at play and he's going to invert this victory into something demonic. Um, So that's become like my recent interpretation of, of, of kind of the genius of that musical moment. Um, so, yeah, but you're right, Jason. I mean, it's such a joyful moment. It's one of the few in the prequel trilogy. Um, yeah, I love it. I'm- yeah, it, it's it's fantastic. Um, and it's it's just also so much fun. Uh, <laughs> yep. there's, no, there's no way around it. It's just fun. And we all know I like fun in my Star Wars. So um, there you have it. <laughs> but uh, what about you? What's your number four, Carl? So, uh, you know, Jason, one of the joys of doing the show with you for so long is back in the day when we would do top fives, you would cheat pretty regularly and like cram things together and be like, oh, my number four is this entire part of A New Hope with 3PO. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, whatever. It's So anyway, I bring that up just to say I'm cheating with my number four because I've lumped two moments together because I could not separate them and they are perpetually tied together for me. And they both come from Revenge of the Sith, and it is the um, it is Padme's ruminations, and then the Anakin and Padme balcony scene from kind of the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. Uh, and here's why I kind of even tie them together. So, right, Padme's ruminations is a scene I've talked about a lot over the years, and absolutely love it, primarily for the music. Um, right, George George has often talked about how Star Wars for him has been these silent films. 
and he always wanted it to be the music kind of tells you the emotional story. You don't need the dialogue. This scene is exactly that. It's this beautiful, haunted piece of music as Anakin is tortured by the reality that he might still lose Padme if Palpatine is taken away from him. So it's this really powerful moment where Anakin, as he's kind of contemplating what to do next, his greatest fear is losing Padme. And his heart is being torn apart. And actually, as I was thinking about this in that moment, it's kind of a nice tie into Kylo in Force Awakens when he says, I'm being torn apart, right? He doesn't know exactly what to do. This is that moment for Anakin. He doesn't know what to do. He just knows he can't lose Padme and he'll do anything, no matter how terrible, to keep her in in his life. Um, right, and, and this moment to me is elevated even more so by it's the way Matthew Stover writes it in his beautiful Revenge of the Sith novel, right? That Anakin is being torn apart by this dragon inside of him, telling him he's going to lose everything. Um, so Padme's ruminations is just that beautiful moment. And to me, what makes that moment work so perfectly is the balcony scene earlier in the film where it's this moment of these right two young lovers just dreaming about their future together. Um, you know, it gets so many of these moments get flack in the prequels. Cause it's like, Oh, they're so cheesy, but I love cheese, like uh, both the food and cheesy moments. And you know, like yes. <laughs> they work so well for me because I've lived those moments in my own life with beautiful people where I get to stand out there under the stars and, think and dream about what our life could be like together. And that's what that balcony scene is. It's Anakin and Padme plotting their future together. And it's, it's so beautiful. The music in that moment is so perfect. It's a beautiful rendition of across the stars on, on a harp. It's this peaceful moment of respite. And it's the only moment of peace really in all of revenge of the Sith. Um, And I think that's Mm -hmm. why that moment has always stood out to me is because that movie is, it moves fast, is very heavy, it's very um, dark and, and, and loss-oriented. But in this one brief glimpse, in this beautiful little moment, we have ultimately what, what these characters have all ultimately striving for, which is to love each other and to share that love in a very uh, beautiful way. And, you know, it's because of this moment, it's because of this hope for a future together that the rumination scene is even more powerful because Anakin doesn't want to lose that dream that he shared with Padme on the balcony. Um, So, you know, they want nothing more than a life together outside of the shadows. They want to live their life in the light because they've been in the shadows for so long. They're thinking about how they're going to be able to do that. And then when that becomes threatened because of Anakin's dream and everything else, the rumination scene to me just perfectly threatens the beauty of that dream. So that's why I kind of lumped them together, but they're no, both awesome. So yeah, no, fair enough. And I, I am not surprised at all that both of these are in your top five. Um, you've, <laughs> we, we built an entire episode around balcony scenes because of the balcony <laughs> scene in revenge of the Sith. Um, which is still one of my favorite episodes we've done because it's just hilarious. Uh, but you're right. It is. It, it definitely is one of these things where they are very tied. Uh, this is where 
in a sense, this is where Anakin and Padme really connect at the heart um, is these two scenes only, you know, they, a little bit in the, you know, their introduction to each other, reintroduction to each other in the movie when she tells Anakin that she's pregnant. Um, but then we get this scene where he's imagining and dreaming what that's going to be like to have a family with Padme. And they're, they're just enjoying the moment without worrying about what the consequences are going to be. And then during her ruminations, in a sense, while the, the actions of the, the two would take in the situations are vastly different, they do seem to be connected, mm. uh, Art again, you know, like there, there is a, a trouble, there is trauma, there is um, a sense of foreboding in both of them, and they they can feel each other in this moment, uh, but both feel helpless to be able to help the other. Yeah. So, and and it's it's tragic because. All Anakin had to do was go back to her apartment instead of going to the temple and or uh, to the Senate building, and things probably would have turned out much better. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, so but what is your number four? Oh, my number four is one that you're probably going to save till later, but it's Duel of the Fates. Um, and one I was surprised was actually this low on my list. Um I I love Duel of the Fates. It's, you know, one of the best lightsaber duels in all of Star Wars. Uh but it you know, it's it is the classic good versus evil, you know, essentially very much personified in in the characters of these these three men, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan and Darth Maul as they the rage in in battle against each other. Um the the music is incredible. The visuals are amazing. The choreography is breathtaking mm. in this duel. Um, but it is definitely, you know, a, a precursor to what is going to happen in terms of the fates uh, throughout the rest of the, the saga. You know, it is a back and forth. Evil seems to, to come out on top and then good rises from the ashes to to claim final victory um but at a price in many cases mm. so and in this case the price is Qui-Gon's life in the moment but ultimately Anakin's soul uh you know when we get to Revenge of the Sith um which thank you Dave Filoni for for that insight um <laughs> um in the Mandalorian uh, gallery episodes of all places, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of my favorite moments in in all of Star Wars, but definitely the prequels. So, yeah. so it's my number four. Uh, I was a little surprised it was that low, but that's how things uh, shook out this time. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna reserve comment because uh, it's certainly on my list as well. Um, so. <laughs> With with that said, shall I give my number three? You you should. Okay, well, Go for it. I am going to take us to Attack of the Clones and uh, to a certain garage on the planet of Tatooine. I killed them. 
I killed them all. They're dead. Every single one of them. And not just the men, but the women and the children, too. They're like animals, and I slaughtered them like animals. I hate them. Uh, it's, of course, Anakin's confession <laughs> to Padme. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is a moment I have loved, uh, you know, pretty much since the movie came out. And lots of reasons. First off, I just want to point out the music in the moment, and, and in particular the clip I played, which is as Anakin confesses what he's done, that he's killed the, not just the men but the women and the children too – it's the Emperor's theme playing mm-hmm. because in Star Wars musical language, the Emperor's theme is the theme of evil personified. So Anakin is admitting to committing an evil atrocity. There's no, you know, there's no, there's no gray area there. Anakin has committed evil. And then it breaks into the Darth Vader theme because this is indeed his first step towards the dark side. This is him just acting impulsively out of his own anger, that selfish anger. I'm going to, I'm pissed off. So I'm going to just seek revenge. Um, and it's that type of behavior that will create Darth Vader. Um, so I just, I love the music of the moment. Uh, and, and something else that I've always appreciated about this moment. And, and this is something kind of subtle. And I'm always curious about if George Lucas himself wrote this into the, into the, the script and the the acting but you have anakin looking at his hands when he says i killed them i killed them all he's staring at his hands and it immediately makes me think of lady macbeth right without damn spot right that 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 famous line i mean i'm not i'm not super well versed in shakespeare but um right like this is lady macbeth is haunted by this terrible atrocity she's committed and and i feel like having having hayden look at his hands that way to me it immediately made me think of lady macbeth um, you're more of a Shakespeare, yeah. Shakespeare person than I am, Jason. Is that you feel like that's an accurate uh, a conclusion to go to? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, out, out, damn spot. She's trying to scrub out the blood on her hands from what she has done. You know, and you know, it's metaphorical blood. It's not. Right. She didn't actually. Well, I don't remember. She, she might have actually done it. Um, you know, but it is definitely. She can't get the blood off her hands, not not because she can't wash it clean, but because it's it's stained her soul. Right. And that is definitely what Anakin is feeling right here. You know, it is it is a a, a stain on what he you know, who he is, what he's done. And uh, he's in so much turmoil and pain from just the loss of his mother that this is now compounding on top of it. And he made a decision that he can't take back and it it's haunting him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so you have something like that, which is a, an incredible callback to something from Western, you know, culture. Um, but you know, I, for me, the, the reason I've always loved this is the way Anakin says, I hate them. It, it's it's not really about the Tusken Raiders. It's really not. It's about Anakin's frustration. I, I would say that is the common theme of Anakin's character 
story in Attack of the Clones is he is a frustrated young man. He And the reason he is frustrated, right, he's always casting blame. It's Obi-Wan's fault, especially in this moment. You know, it's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's holding me back. Anakin is frustrated because he comes into the Jedi with this moniker of chosen one, right? He's supposed to be the most, you know, B.A. Jedi in the history of the Jedi. He should be so powerful. He should be able to stop people from dying, and he couldn't. Anakin is feeling like a failure in this moment because the last thing he promised his mother in Phantom Menace was, I will come back and free you, mom. And he comes back and watches her die. He fails her in his mind. So that frustration is really what this is all about. And again, it doesn't, it doesn't excuse or, uh, or remedy what he chose to do, but it just makes sense that he is so frustrated that he wasn't able to save the person he loved most in his life. And he took that out on people and he knows that that was wrong. Um, Mm-hmm. But he needs to also confess it. And the fact that he chooses to confess it to Padme is because he genuinely believes she will not hate him for this. Um, as far as we know, he never told this to Obi-Wan, right? He told Padme and he told Palpatine. And we know he told Palpatine because of in Revenge of the Sith, right? When he says, remember what he told me about your mother and the sand people? Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty. And then we hear that great yes. hunting yep. Tuscan. Yep. Roar. But it's very, very much up for debate whether he ever told Obi-Wan he did this um, Mm -hmm. or any other Jedi for that matter. But to me, this moment is ultimately about someone who's so frustrated because they're supposed to be somebody super great and super powerful. And yet here he is running into a brick wall of his limitations. Um, And actually in in most recent viewings is I've become a huge fan of the Marvel movies in the past six months and there's a beautiful line in Endgame when um thor's mother says to him we always fail when we're when we try to be who we're supposed to be rather than who we're meant to be and i feel like this is a great moment for anakin anakin is living in these expectations of who he's supposed to be that he's never allowing himself to be who he's meant to be um and yeah, yeah and this is that moment it's just a moment of pure frustration so he hates the tuscan raiders not really at the end of the day, he kind of hates himself right now. He hates himself for what he's done. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it, and it's not just the expectations of what, you know, the Jedi put on him, you know, as far as the Chosen One is concerned. It's his own expectations because he has his own expectations of what he was going to be able to do as a Jedi, you know, come back and free all the slaves. Right. That was his big goal in The Phantom Menace, and he has not been able to do that. He has not been able to do that at all. Uh, and in particular, with his mother. And even though she was freed and was no longer a slave, he still wasn't able to save her. Right. And that's, you know, that chews him up more than anything else. It's a great moment. It's a great scene. And I'm glad it's on your list. Wasn't surprised it's on your list, but, you know, it's a fantastic scene. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I love it. Um so uh, what is your number three? My number three. This is the one that's new. Um, <laughs> we're going to stay on Tatooine, but go to the Phantom Menace. And this is Don't Look Back. Mm. Don't Look Back. As Anakin and Shmi say goodbye. Um, it's, you know, 
Shmi is one of the most pure and wonderful characters in all of Star Wars. And this is her her shining moment in encouraging Anakin to go chase after these dreams, chase after his opportunities, and to, you know, be brave for him. Because if she doesn't, he won't ever leave her, and he'll be stuck here for the rest of his life, and that's not the life she wants for him. Uh, and and the fact that, you know, she's able to, to give him that that comfort and that strength and then tells him, you know, all right, now be brave and don't look back. Don't look back. And she sends him on his way. And it's the music rising, the the way that it's shot, and just the emotion on her face in particular. It just always gives me the chills. And uh, it is it is such a a perfect moment in my opinion that uh, I had to put it on my list here somewhere and I, I absolutely absolutely love this moment it's it's really good <laughs> um, I'm embarrassed it's not on my list and again this is one of those moments where it's like oh, I'm so glad you have it here because it's <laughs> so powerful like you said you know the, the music especially um, the way it swells into the force theme as he leaves um, yeah, it's so good. So, so, so good. Because mm-hmm. it's, I think it's an experience so many of us have had in life where we've had to say goodbye to a very comfortable, albeit imperfect life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Anakin's life was all sorts of messed up. He's a slave. But at the end of the day, there was a level of comfort because he was with his mother. And saying goodbye to her is really, really hard. You know, I mean, this is so many young people's experience of leaving home for college for the first time or, you know, moving out for a new job, anything like that. You know, saying goodbye to something that is comfortable and normal to you into something unknown, as exciting as the unknown may be, that's quite daunting. But it's this beautiful moment of what it means to be a good parent which is letting that child go into where the unknown leads them and, and telling them to go and, and, and and trusting them to go and entrusting them with your love, letting them know that be Anakin leaving, you know, he's feeling so guilty right here, you know, leaving his mother behind, like I'm leaving her in slavery while I go free like this. This is all sorts of unfair, but she says to him, it's okay. I'm I'm going to be okay here, and I love you. Take my love. Um, it's such a beautiful moment. Uh, I'm so glad you have this on your list because it, it 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 needs to be recognized as a top prequel moment. <laughs> yeah, I wholeheartedly agree on that one. It's it's absolutely top shelf uh, prequel moment. It's it's uh, poignant. It's well acted it's you know perfect music uh and and like i said it gives me chills every time occasionally if i'm in the right mood it brings me to tears uh you know it's (laughs) i just 
through the years we have been recording, Carl, this scene and Shmi Skywalker has just risen in importance and my, you know, and in my, you know, my favorites, uh, you know, for a long, long time. And, and it's finally made it all the way up to here. So this scene in particular, I'm, I'm very happy for that. <laughs> a yeah. little surprised, but very happy. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, 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 Shmi is the perfect model of selfless love and, and not yeah. only in the prequels, but in the entirety of star Wars, I would say, um, in the yeah. way, in the way she so just selflessly entrusts Anakin to go, she gives him no reason to look back. Right. That's the thing is she tells him don't look back. And she's also giving him no, she's trying her best to give him no reason to look back. Cause she's not saying I'm going to really miss you or I can't wait for you to come back and free me. She doesn't, even when he says, I will come back and free you. She just kind of smiles at him. She doesn't sink her, her sense of self into those words you know she doesn't do anything to try to make anakin feel guilty for what he's doing all she does is send him away with her love that's it and that is quite that is so incredibly powerful it is it is and then that that last shot of her just standing by herself with her arms wrapped around her elbows just yeah it gets me every time yep it gets me every single time it's so good and Pernella August was perfectly cast for this. She really was. And and uh, going back to something you and I talked about a few weeks ago on the show, Jason, uh, if you want to know more about Padme's life in between episodes one and two and and how her life got a little bit better thanks to Klieg, read Tatooine Ghost by Troy Denning. Yeah. Um, it's such a not, good... Not Padme, Shmi. Yeah, Shmi. Sorry. Thank you. But yeah, yeah, a little bit more about Shmi's life between episodes one and two because... Uh, that's not something the new canon apparently wants to explore, um, but uh, the Legends canon certainly did, and uh, we get we get to discover Shmi's uh, diary thanks to Leia, um, and uh, that's a fun read. It's, it's yeah. a very very great uh, continuation of her story. Chadwick Ghost, such an overlooked and underrated Le- Legends novel, highly recommended from this podcast. <laughs> yep, highly <laughs> recommended from this podcast. Can't recommend it enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, um, well, well, let's continue down on. to number two, down to number two. And I got to say my number one and number two are so they're neck and neck, Jason, if I'm being honest, like I, I have more to say about my number two than my number one, but they're just so iconic to me. Um, but my number two, which very well may be on your list. I'm not sure, but my number two, I'm going to take us to revenge of the Sith to the, Ashed banks of Mustafar. You were the chosen one! It was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them! Bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness! I love Anakin yelling. I hate you or hate the word hate, <laughs> 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 but, uh, 
I mean, you know, again, this is one of those, I, I, you know, I, I would say uh, while some of my other moments may not be considered iconic prequel moments, this is certainly one of those, uh, right? The you were the chosen, you were the chosen one moment. Um, and as I was thinking about it this time, you know, kind of prepping what I wanted to say about it for this episode, it, it popped into my mind and I'm curious if you would agree with this. And it's, it's not necessarily something you have to agree or disagree with per se, but I was thinking a lot about how this moment kind of lines up to the I am a Jedi moment from Return of the Jedi and thinking about how, Mm. you know, in that moment in Return of the Jedi, it's this powerful statement from Luke where he kind of claims his sense of self. You know, he's been through the ringer. He's denounced the dark side and he kind of makes this claim of identity. It's a very powerful moment. In a similar way Mm. and kind of an inversed way, this is a moment of loss of oneself anakin yelling i hate you to his best friend this is an an undoing of everything he has everything he is um so i don't know i mean i don't know if that's quite uh i don't know if i'm kind of stretching things a bit here which if i am that's fine it doesn't matter um but i feel like these moments might actually work pretty well together that you know the 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 conclude yeah go ahead yeah i think you're right because what it is is in this moment, Obi Wan is is yelling to Anakin and expressing his 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 sorrow to Anakin about what Anakin should have been, what he was supposed to be. Yeah, and then in uh, Return of the Jedi, Luke is claiming what he is, and then includes his father by saying, "Like my father before me." And it's a reclaiming of the Anakin lost. This is Anakin lost with Obi-Wan. You know, it was said that you would destroy the Sith, not join them, bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. Mm-hmm. Or loved. It is past tense here. This is loss. Luke says, I'm a Jedi, like my father before me. That's a reclaiming. That is... And it all circles around Anakin here. Uh, and I think you're right. I think it's it's a very nice bookend to to the tragedy of, of Anakin Skywalker. Um, the tragedy and then redemption of Anakin. Yeah. Uh, and it's a fantastic scene uh, there on the banks of the Lava River on Mustafar. Uh, it's, you know, it's so iconic and poignant and heartbreaking. Um, and yeah, I, I'm surprised it's not on my list, you know, uh, it, maybe it should have been, but when I was making my list, it didn't make it. So I'm very, very, very happy that you have it on yours because I'm more than willing to talk about it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic moment. That's on your list, Carl. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it to me is one of the most important, poignant moments of the prequel trilogy because, in a lot of ways, everything is led here to the to the destruction of this uh, incredibly important friendship in in this story. Um, and we knew all along where the prequels were going to end up. Anakin's going to be Vader. He's going to fight his best friend, and it's going to be terrible. And that's exactly what this moment gave us. Um, and I've 
I really appreciate clearly from both this point and my previous point, the when Hayden, as much as he's not the best actor in the world, he plays emotional moments like this very well, in my opinion. Um, yes. When he you know, when he says, I hate them, and now when he says, I hate you, he really captures that that animosity. And in this moment, there's even spittle that comes flying out of his mouth when he yells, I hate you to Obi-Wan. He's so animalistic, and he's reduced to his lowest based self in this moment, mm-hmm. right? This is, yeah. you know, kind of the complete distillation, the complete destruction of all of the goodness that was Anakin. He's burning up on these shores. And in light of that, you have Obi-Wan at his most heartbroken moment in his entire life. As much as it was terrible to watch, you know, Satine killed before his own eyes, that pales in comparison, I would argue, to this moment for him. This was his best friend, and more than his best friend, it was the dream and hopes of Qui-Gon. It was the responsibility that he took on from his former master. And it was his deep belief in this prophecy of the Jedi that this was the one who was going to save the galaxy. And here he is burning up in flames full of hate. Um, right. You know, so it's it's just such a powerful moment. Um, for Anakin, he's reduced to nothing. And Obi-Wan's heart breaks to see all of the wonder of who his friend could and should be just come crumbling down. Um, so, I, yeah. yeah, I love this moment. It's it's such a, a powerful moment, such an important moment, and sadly such a necessary moment for for the, the saga as a whole. You know, yeah. it's... It's closing the chapter on who Anakin Skywalker could have been right. here in the prequels. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the re- redemption comes later, but this is this is the door closing on who Anakin was, um, and, and it will never reopen until he is redeemed by his son Luke. So, yes, indeed. Um, and Obi Wan, and Obi Wan can't see that ever happening. That's the thing. That's the other thing I think that's that we um, we miss sometimes with this scene is that this is this is Obi Wan's last cry mm-hmm. uh, for the goodness to his friend in, in his friend, and this is where he believes Anakin dies. Anakin is dead after this to him, and this yeah. is why we get that certain point of view in the original trilogy because. That's not Anakin anymore. That's how An- that's how Obi Wan copes with this. That's not Anakin anymore. Anakin is dead. That is Darth Vader, right? You know that that's how he's able to cope, uh, especially with the fact that he just leaves him to burn alive. You know <laughs> that that's that's pretty rough. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yep. Yeah. Um. Well, I am. I'm super curious, Jason. What is your number two? Oh well, we are staying in Revenge of the Sith for my number two. Uh, we're just going uh, a bit earlier in the movie uh, to the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise, um, where Anakin gets spun a yarn, an old Sith legend, uh, and it. Not only, obviously, is it the the yarn that introduces Anakin to the idea of 
what he might be able to do to save Padme. The fear of losing Padme is all-consuming at this point, so he has to save her. Well, here's the possibility of how that might be possible, or how that might happen. Uh, but it also gives us, for those of us in the know, the audience, an insight into what happened to Palpatine and how he rose to become the Sith Master uh, by killing his own master. And it's this is the this is where the Anakin takes the bait and Palpatine sets the hook. He doesn't reel Anakin in yet, but this is where the hook is set. Uh, to use a fishing metaphor. Um, <laughs> but it's such a good scene. It's a it's one of the longest dialogue scenes, I think, in all of Star Wars. It's almost five minutes long, the whole thing, from, you know, his Anakin's inter, you know, uh, entrance to the, the box to the end of this story. Um, it's quite long for, for a Star Wars dialogue scene. Um, but the, the story that is told and the way that Ian McDermott as Palpatine just weaves the tale is so en- enchanting and encapsulating and uh, you know alluring, especially to someone like Anakin at this point, that it's it's just masterfully executed, uh, you know, and I I love it, you know, I can quote it, obviously, um, <laughs> I'm not going to do that at the moment, but I can quote it, uh, <laughs> so uh, and it's just it's just brilliant, uh, and I think it was pulled off perfectly um so yeah I, this is my number two by far uh, no doubts so it's uh, yeah i mean it's such a, a hugely important moment in in this trilogy um and, and more specifically in this movie uh mm-hmm. right anakin has had this terrible dream he needs to figure out how to save padme and for the first time he gets an inkling into that actually being possible uh, mm-hmm. that there is this power that a Sith Lord once uncovered and it is attainable. You just can't do it as Jedi. Um, and like you said, I mean, that that's the perfect metaphor. This is Palpatine drops a huge bait <laughs> into the water here. He yeah. knows once Anakin, you know, is it possible to learn this power? Anakin's to go with that metaphor. His mouth is now closed around the hook and Palpatine <laughs> just says, not from a Jedi. And now all he's got to do is reel him in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, he, he has sold him on the, on this truth in this moment. Yeah. Yeah. It is so good. Uh, I, uh, ah, I love it so much, Carl. I just love this scene. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. It's, I mean, this is a Shakespearean scene. Would, wouldn't you say? You know, I mean, oh, it's it's much. essentially just a, a a monologue from, yeah, and it's so clear that Ian McDiarmid has experience as a Shakespearean actor in this moment because it's like that's exactly what he embodies. Oh, definitely, yeah, it is. It is definitely a you know a, a monologue straight out of a of a Shakespeare play. It's, um, gosh, I I'd be interested to hear what, uh, um. Oh gosh, the uh, the author of the Star Wars Shakespeare novels, what what he thinks that would uh, be emulating, but 
yeah, I, I freaking love this scene so much. And it is definitely, you know, because of Ian McDermott's, you know, classical Shakespearean training, he understands what this is exactly and is able to, to play that. Uh, yeah. And it's just, he's such a good actor, such a strong actor that he's able to uh, command the entire screen with just his voice and the story he tells. Right. You know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's it's incredible. So yeah. I, I love that this is so high on your list because it's <laughs> – of course it is, and I love that. <laughs> of course it is. This is this is a total Jason yeah. Jason pick. Um, and the number one is probably not a surprise to anybody. But, Carl, before we get to my number one, we should, we should see uh, – what's your number one prequel trilogy moment? <laughs> well, I think I've already alluded to it thanks to you earlier, but it is, of course, an iconic moment from episode one. It dueled the fates. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know when I there's always been a little bit of a, a toss up between you know this moment be, and uh, and you know my previous one from Revenge of the Sith, but Duel of the Fates has been what just made me fall in love with the prequels when I first saw it. It's conti- every time I watch that 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 fight sequence, I love it. Nothing has changed in that regard. I. Anytime Phantom Menace is on, even if I have it on in the background while I'm doing something, when Duel of the Fate starts, when those three are fighting, I am fixated on that screen. <laughs> and, you know, it was it was the first time I ever got goosebumps in a movie theater um, was watching this scene. Um, you know, I'd, I'd never experienced that as a kid watching any other movie as I did watching the Duel of the Fates. And. I can I'll I'll never forget this because it it was burned into my brain. The first time I saw Phantom Menace um, in theaters, you know, when the doors open and Maul's there and they first start fighting, I'm like, oh my god, this is so cool. But the moment when I get got goosebumps that first time was, it's that shot of Anakin flying off into the white clouds and he's like, try to override it, right? He's trying to override that, and then we go yeah. back into the hangar and we get that kind of f- far away shot of them fighting. Yeah, and the the music's going full swell. They're going, you know, hard at each other, and I could just—I'll never forget that feeling of literal goosebumps just climbing up onto my skin, the hair on the back of my neck standing up. You know, I mean, I was ninety-nine. I was thirteen years old, and I was just like, "Oh my god, this is the coolest thing I have ever experienced in my entire life." <laughs> Thank the force yeah. for this, and yeah. You know, it's to this day, that's never really changed. I mean, I I don't have quite as much of a physical reaction, to be fair, but I just I love it because it's what I always wanted. Um, You know, as as someone who fell in love with Star Wars in the original trilogy, I always wanted to see like a really, really cool lightsaber fight. And this to me is exactly that. We're seeing the Jedi in their prime fighting with this beautifully gifted style art form of, of lightsaber combat. And I just loved it. And you know, Jason, so many of the, my favorite moments of Star Wars are, are moments that I 
participated in by playing them when I got home. And Duel of the Fates, especially when it came out on VHS, I you know freeze-framed, slow-motioned this entire fight so that I could go outside with my plastic lightsabers and recreate it to the best of my ability. Like I had to be able to to do this, to be a participant in that part of the story. And, uh, you know, that makes it an incredibly fond moment for me for the rest of my life. And it's just so friggin' cool. And I don't, you know, kind of like your number five, I don't have a ton to in depth to say about it other than it just fills me with joy. <laughs> and that's, and that's what star Wars is ultimately about. Yeah, no, that's a fantastic pick. Obviously it was on my list. Um, but yeah, I love it. And I love that shot, too, that you're talking about that you got goosebumps at. It's, it's like, you know, the camera is sitting up in one of the catwalks. Yeah. And it's just, you know, looking down in the middle of the hangar and it's empty except for a bunch of, you know, wrecked battle droids, some dead troopers, and these three combatants. It is completely empty other than that. Uh, you know, it's... Oh, it's so good. It's it's like that shot in the Yoda Palpatine duel in the Senate that I love, you know. I I totally understand your <laughs> your where you're coming from on that shot. So, I love it. Yeah. It's funny, Carl, because my number 1 is my favorite for much the same reason your number 1 is because I played it. <laughs> I put it in freeze frame slow motion. I uh, studied every frame of this sequence religiously for weeks and weeks so I could relive it and play it out in the backyard. Uh, and I've talked about this scene so many times. I love it so much. It is, of course, the Genosis Arena battle in Attack of the Clones. Uh, I, I cannot ever have anything else at this point above this scene as my favorite moment from the prequels it is just so much fun to me and it is it is what i was always wanting to see you know, much like you know your reasoning for duel of yeah. fates being your favorite carl it's my reasoning for this moment you know this is what i wanted to see i wanted to see jedi just going all out against you know battle droids or whatever you know i but i wanted to see the jedi in their heyday i wanted to see all of them you know <laughs> in that sense um and it is literally the one moment that just gets me so excited every single time i can't sit still in my seat uh, i i just you know i'm gobsmacked and absorbed in everything that's going on and every frame of that battle has so much going on in it that i i just love it it's complete chaos but i love it and it ah i can't get over it and i've spent hours and hours and hours of my time you know playing it not only big star wars but little <laughs> star wars it, it is the most recreated thing i have done with my action figures not even close you know with anything else um yeah i i love this scene i love the moment it is you know it is largely why the prequels are probably my favorite trilogy of Star Wars. So, yeah, it's my number one moment, probably in Star Wars, but definitely in the prequels. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember early on in the show when um, 
you sent me photos of the the arena diorama type thing you put together yourself and mm-hmm. and how intricate and detailed it was and it was unbelievable and and Jason if you still have those photos i need you to resend them to me so i can put them on our social media so folks can see these see these now so when when we're done recording okay. tonight please send those to me if you still have them um, you got it yeah perfect and 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 I, I mentioned that because I think it's worth mentioning because it shows the level of love you had for this moment because, you know, it, there was nothing else in Star Wars that caused you to make such detailed recreation, right? And it's not to say that, like, you and I both, like, we played other things of Star Wars, we made up other little things, but the amount of detail you can tell that went into this setup you did, it's because you loved this moment and it's because you needed to visualize it and participate in it and you know i mean that's just so friggin cool and um yeah i mean this moment obviously is not on my list but it it would it's certainly top 20 prequel moments and 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 probably top 20 star wars moments because uh similar to what i said with duel of the fates right like i always want to see this epic lightsaber fight this is also something we always I, I think it's fair to say that Star Wars fans kind of always wanted was to see Jedi charging into battle. And we literally got that. I mean, they're charging in They're the you know, they are the knights of this era with their swords drawn flying into battle. And it's so flippin cool. And there's so much going on in the background that, like you said, Jason, it's it's so fun to even to this day, like just pause it and look at what's going on in the background. Look at the intricacy of everything they put together to really give us this epic Jedi battle. Um, it's awesome. And, and I love that it's your number one. Yeah. Uh, Carl, just so you know, I'm, I'm sending you this link right now in the Facebook because it's, I have a Facebook album of it uh, on my Facebook page. It is 84 pictures of, of this battle. That is just this battle. Various sequences uh, all throughout it. It is it is eighty four images of basically probably like three or four hours of an afternoon that I spent painstakingly re- you know recreating this battle with my action figures. So um, oh yeah, it's this, a lot. This it's is so a, good. <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, so it might be you know one of these things where we take a few of the best. Or spread it out a bit on our social media. But yeah, I did that. Um, and that's the most intricate I ever got it. But I've recreated the scene several times with my action figures. I probably have, I think, every Jedi from this arena battle that has ever been released uh, <laughs> uh, now. So uh, in, term- in terms of three and three quarter inch action figures, which has me very, very happy. So, <laughs> oh my god, this is yeah. this is so good. It's just so freaking good. Yeah, um, uh, I'm gonna have to go through this later and 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 just try to at least save some of the highlights to to share because there's so many good ones in there. But yeah, you know, what I mean, like that's that's so cool. Um, and yeah, <laughs> you know, there's there's so many moments like this, and and you know, just thinking thinking of where this conversation is now turning into, Jason. It also is think has me thinking of like, here's another great thing we should do in the future of sharing some of our most like participatory Star Wars moments. Like what were those moments that we watched that we had to recreate, whether we were kids or even adults, but you know, mm-hmm. what are the things we had to go play and, and recreate ourselves because we wanted to be a part of that moment. Um, 
So yeah. that said, I will say uh, the 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 garage scene in Attack of the Clones where Anakin confesses, I probably faked. It, I, I probably like reenacted that moment in my bedroom a lot when I was a 10th grader in high school because I was a very dramatic young guy. So um, not much has changed, but <laughs> so, uh, but not quite as fun as making a cool diorama set. Um, wow. But yeah, I'd oh love, man, I'd love to do it again. I, yeah, it, I, I, yes, I think you should. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, there you go, everybody. There are our top as hard as it is to narrow it down to 10, but there are our top 10 moments from the prequels. And there are obviously so many others we are leaving out. And mm-hmm. even if you, for whatever reason, forgot to participate in the poll, if you're listening to this episode and you're like, Oh, I really want to tell you some of my favorite prequel moments, please tell us, we want to know them. Like send us a DM on Instagram, you know, comment on the Twitter post, send us an email, just listing your moments. You don't have to give us the explanations. Just tell us to them. Uh, we love learning what other people love about the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. And and don't worry, folks. For those of you who are more OT or uh, sequel trilogy fans, we'll get there eventually. Um, but we figured we'd start with the prequels because it's my favorite trilogy and Carl's on a prequel kick. So, um, Jason, I'll be honest. So I, I this past week, I, I watched the entire prequel trilogy over a week. And I got to say, I put it just beneath the original trilogy. Um, it's just be- below it. Uh, you know, I, I love these movies so much. Um, yes. They're very different. I, and every trilogy is very different from from the others, I would say. Um, yes. But uh, and, and again, a part of it is there is obviously a nostalgia to it. They came out at a very unique time in my life. And, and I, I loved them from day one. And uh, the love has just deepened over time. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. The sequel sadly came out at a time when I lived a much more cynical life, so they kind of had an uphill battle. <laughs> it was unfair to them. <laughs> so fair um, enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the prequels are just there's something very special about every one of those movies to me, and and I know to you as well. Uh, Absolutely. So, but yeah, like I said, you know, tell us some of your favorites, regardless of whether you missed the poll or not, because we just love to hear those things. Um, Absolutely. But Carl, before we wrap up, uh, you got to couple of things we have a matchup and uh, a giveaway to talk about so which one do we want to hit first yeah well let's we'll hit the matchup first so uh we wanted to do an evil uh sith lord battle from the prequel era pitting darth maul against count dooku mm, yes i'm very excited to see what people say about this one i do know what i'm going to where I'm, my vote's going and i doubt anyone will be surprised by that but <laughs> Um, yeah, I got to do some thinking about it. it uh, I'm excited about it. And, and, and I'm, ta- I, I want to say here, I'm talking about both of them at their, their peak. So you can even include Darth Maul in his rebels era even. Um, so like think of Maul at his most powerful, think of Dooku at his most powerful who wins. So not specifically mm-hmm. episode one, Darth Maul against like episode three, Count Dooku. Think of them both at their at pinnacles of power. Who do you think would take that fight? So still change my hand. I figured it would, um, but I'm just saying that for other folks. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes. Uh, and then what do we have going for our, our giveaway, Carl? Cause that's going to tie into our next episode. Yes. So in, uh, you know, in, in two weeks, when we do our next episode, we are going to be tackling the next book from the high Republic era, rising storm by Kevin Scott, which um, I've read through it once and I plan to reread it again before our next show. 
Jason, this book is phenomenal. The High Republic is it is the shot of adrenaline and pure joy of Star Wars that I I didn't even know I needed. <laughs> I, I as much as I loved Light of the Jedi, I like Rising Storm just as much, maybe even a little bit more, which is saying a lot. Um, that is. So I'm super excited. In two weeks, uh, we're gonna have my buddy Greg back on. You know, our our kind of uh, unofficial High Republic uh, scholar uh, to talk to, yes. to to break down this book. Um, and uh, we want you to be able to, whether or not you've been able to read it by then or not, we want to give you an opportunity to have a a copy of the Rising Storm. So that is our next giveaway. Um, and we're going to limit the way we're doing this because we really want to try to target folks that you know, who take the time to listen to the show. Uh, Cause obviously we really appreciate you doing that. Um, so all you have to do to enter to win a copy of rising storm is either if you have an Instagram where we will make a social media post at the end of the week, this week, all you have to do is comment on that post with your favorite character from the high Republic. And you'll be entered to win a copy of rising storm. If you don't have an Instagram, which is obviously fine, just shoot us an email telling us the name of your favorite high Republic character. And you will be entered into the, uh, the giveaway as well. Yeah. And then we'll go ahead and do a, a, a random in a hat drawing and uh, pick one of those submissions as our winner. So, um, and we'll announce that next episode episode as we review and talk about the rising storm right so so uh but yeah go ahead sorry carl <laughs> uh if people want to weigh in on the poll um or or tell us all their prequel favorite prequel moments or anything else where can people reach us um well of course we are on instagram at the underscore wampas lair we're on Twitter at Wampas Lair, and you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, so, and also for the you Instagram users, keep an eye out for that post about our giveaway. Uh, anything else, Carl, before we close down this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast? Jason, all I got to say about the prequels is, Muya, Muya, love you. <laughs> Muya, I love you. <laughs> and... On that note, thank you everyone so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 431, Top 10 Prequel Moments, Part 2. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll, we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Wampus Lair.